This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. All right. Do you want to do housekeeping up top? Okay. Okay. We'll do one quick correction that I need to make. Okay. Last week, we said after the head of the Mormon church had died uh-huh. that there's the quorum of the 12 apostles and the oldest guy on that group mm-hmm. would be the next president. I was wrong about that when I said that. It. It's actually the oldest member of the quorum, like who's like been the on there tenure? the longest. Yes. Oh. And usually that is the person who is the oldest, sure. but not necessarily. So I think the next Mormon church's president is both the longest serving okay. person there and happens to be the oldest guy there coincidentally. But anyway, that is thanks for everyone who told me that. bananas. Yes. So thanks to everyone who told me, uh, who uh, sent in a correction for and that. And did so nicely and politely. Always. <laughs> and many thanks to uh, supporters, uh, Douglas H. and Maze D. Thank you for your support on Patreon. We appreciate it. Um, and I guess speaking of which, uh, so I've decided to launch a sort of um, book club bonus content thing for our patreon donors so essentially what it will look like is it will be me once a month ish um reading a book or watching a movie or something with somebody else probably not Hemet because he doesn't have time to read books like us plebes (laughs) um so um and yeah and i'll record a conversation about it like a little book club thing Um, and I want it to be, uh, and so it's going to be available to Patreon subscribers. So if you donate a dollar a month, you get access to this. And I really want it to be interactive because it's a smaller group. I want to kind of read more emails. I already, um, so uh, I want to get people's thoughts on what we're going to read. So I'll obviously announce what we're going to read or watch beforehand and get people's thoughts. So it's called- The idea here was just that you get super excited about certain books or movies Uh and you want to be able to discuss them. It's always nice to- be able to share some of that and get the feedback from people who have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so this was an opportunity to do that and at least put something out for people who may be interested in that. Yeah. We'll probably keep that on a private, on <laughs> like just for Patreon donors. Right. Not put that on our public feed, but exactly. who knows? We'll probably we'll release, I think the first one is sort of a pilot to everybody just so you can get an idea if you're interested in, um, in paying a dollar a month or whatever for it. Um, so it's going to be called uh, Fable, which stands for Friendly Atheist Bonus Listener Entertainment Show. Did I, I like do that it. right? Sure, Fables. Me and Hemant really <clears throat> tossed around some bad, <laughs> some <laughs> bad um, uh, names. But anyway, so that's what we're jumping on. Um, so the first episode is going to be uh, with me and my brother, Kevin, who's been on the show a couple times. Um, we're going to be reading Jennifer Government. It's by Max Berry. I think it's from 2003-ish. It's sort of a dystopian um, novel that's like opposite of like an Ayn Rand dystopia, if that makes sense. So it's all about like the government has no power whatsoever and it's all big corporations. So um, so we're going to read that. Hopefully we'll get that posted um, by early February. Um, so if you are interested, go to friendlyatheist.com uh, slash nope. Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Um, I said, a, if anyone who gives a dollar, we will send you the information on how to get that episode. Mm-hmm. And then I set up an email called it's um, fablespod at gmail.com. So um, if you have any thoughts regarding what we're reading or any suggestions of things to read or watch in the future, 
Uh, let me know. I know um, my husband and I, or my husband's reading Tranny right now, which is by Laura Jane Grace. It's, do you know who Laura Jane Grace is? No. Um, she's a really famous trans rock star. She's oh. the lead of Against Me, which is like a uh, 80s, 90s punk band. Um, and she's trans and is really, really cool. I saw her uh, live last year and she's awesome and a huge, she brought a lot of um, trans awareness to a community that isn't necessarily prone to to thinking kind of that thing. Um, anyway, so we'll probably read that in the future. Um, I think Ann and I are going to read something together. So I'm very excited about this. I don't know if hopefully it will work out great and people will enjoy it. If not, I don't know, then I have an extra Gmail account. Then you read a book. How dare <laughs> I you? I know. That's <laughs> worst case scenario is you have to read a book. Yes. Um, so let's talk about stuff that's been happening this past week. There were so many stories this week that involved local governments or like state or local governments uh-huh. that I'm going to try to get through a bunch of these really quickly, but there was a lot of stuff happening at the uh-huh. local level because of atheist activists or people who at least take church state separation seriously. So let me start off with uh, Waltham, Massachusetts city in Massachusetts. <laughs> they have a new city council member. Her name is Christine Mackin. They got inaugurated. I mean, she was elected last, uh, I assume November, mm-hmm. Uh, She was inaugurated last weekend, Mm -hmm. and what she did at the uh, inauguration is she has to take the oath of office. And for some reason, this is a thing that stood out because it doesn't happen very often. She did not take the oath that includes the phrase, so help me God. Oh. She did not say, I do solemnly swear. Oh. She didn't do any of that. She chose, she asked, if she could have a secular affirmation instead. What does that sound like? And anyone has this option. Basically, instead of saying, I do solemnly swear, uh-huh. I do solemnly affirm, because who are you swearing to other than God? Oh, yeah. So I, will, I do solemnly affirm. And instead of, so help me God, you say, I do so under the pains and penalties of perjury, which wow. is at least in Massachusetts, that's their substitute phrase. Basically saying... I'm not accountable to God. I'm accountable to the people that I represent. Yeah. Good no, for I like her. that. That's cool. So she did it. She and, and you said this is a city city council member? City council member. Okay. Um and she didn't say I'm doing this because I'm an atheist. She didn't talk about her religious beliefs. She mm-hmm. actually both to a local reporter and me personally when I asked her was very clear that I don't talk about my personal beliefs mm-hmm. in this setting because mm-hmm. I'm not here to promote my personal beliefs. I'm doing what's best for the people I represent, which is awesome. I will say she got no pushback in any meaningful way. Well, Massachusetts isn't exactly the Bible belt. Right. Uh, Overwhelming support, though. And Mm -hmm. by the way, in case she wasn't awesome enough, a PhD in biochemistry. Wow. And her campaign's website, which Uh. I was checking out, uh, has a reference to Mario Kart. So... (laughs) Awesome. What, what kind? Um, I, it's it Mario Kart. That's okay. what you get. Cool, from me. cool, cool. Thanks. Uh, next thing, because uh-huh. there's a million of these in Iowa. There is a city called Waverly, mm-hmm. and for a long time they had this mayor who was fine with having invocations at city council meetings. Okay. And so Justin Scott, an activist that I think we mentioned on this show many times, he's a local atheist activist in Iowa. Does a lot of really awesome things. I first got to know him during the 2016 primaries mm-hmm. because Iowa, obviously, center of the political universe. Sure. And he got to meet all the candidates because they want all the Iowa votes, mm-hmm. right, in the caucuses. And he would ask them, what are you going to do for atheists? What are you going to do for church-state cool. separation? So he's still doing stuff. 
So he's been asking the old mayor, like, when are, I want to deliver an invocation. When are you going to change it? Because it's always a Christian sure. who speaks. And long story short, like, they've one time they had a Muslim give an invocation, I think, and then back to Christian all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it never really it got made a changed. really big deal out of the Muslim. Yeah, like, look, we're diverse. <laughs> um, like, it temporarily changed, but then it didn't really change. So anyway, they had an election also uh, recently, and it turned out a new guy won the mayor uh, mayoral race. So, okay, so there's, there's a new, new mayor. mayor in town. The head of the city council is a new guy. Of Waverly? Of Waverly. Okay. And here's the thing about it. He wasn't even on, like, he was a write-in candidate who beat what? the incumbent, which is more likely, you know, in a city council, sure. uh, in a city sort of race. But the cool thing is the new guy, his name is Dean Soash. Mm-hmm. He actually spoke with Justin multiple times about this, saying, let's find a compromise that will make everyone happy. Um, and, of course, Justin's like, just don't do the invocation. Right. <laughs> and this guy's like, I, that's an option. Another option is to allow everyone who wants to deliver an invocation to do it. Right. Which some cities have done. Which, yeah. And the good news is Soash is now the mayor He's, like, been inaugurated, uh-huh. or however you want to say that. And he just said, you know what? We're going to do away with the invocations altogether. Really? Yep. That's great news. And, again, it that doesn't stop anyone from praying if they want to. It's of not course. anti-Christian. Well, and that's always what it's about <laughs> is, like, hey, nobody. And, I, and that's where, like, Christians <clears throat> love to, like, pretend they don't understand what's going on. Like, nobody's telling you you can't pray. You just can't make do me Do it privately. Pray. It's Okay. Um, and so good for Justin for, you know, continuing to push on that. And the cool thing is many of the city council members supported the decision too. Mm-hmm. They wanted good. it gone even when the old mayor was in charge, mm-hmm. but now they actually have someone who, who listens. That's cool. So good on Justin. And then by the way, one more thing, mm-hmm. Justin, same guy last year at the invitation of a state representative, okay. he asked his, a state representative, can I deliver the invocation in the Iowa house of representatives? Mm-hmm. Um, the representative, Timmy Brown Powers, hmm. uh, awesome name. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, I'll sponsor you. Submit your name Wait, to the chaplain. Timmy Brown Powers is a woman? Yes. Okay. Uh, that's she excellent. gave his name like to the chaplain of the legislature, whatever. Uh-huh. And so Justin gave an invocation uh-huh. and it was fine. He actually, uh, talked about the quote, Holy Trinity of science, reason, observation, and experience. Well, that's cool. But other than that, I mean, it wasn't offensive, and sure. it wasn't anti-religion. He just said, let's put our faith in evidence and logic right. and reason, you know? Like, <laughs> do, how long do these invocate? Like, I'm just Oh, thinking, like a minute and a half. Oh, okay. So these it's not, not like... Long. Okay. Never mind. I was going to say, open, like, it feels like not a super good use of everybody's time, but no. But if you have them... Right. No, I understand. That's the question, right? I understand. So anyway, that was last year. It went fine. No uh-huh. one... No one... What are you going to say about it? Nothing. I it just science. happens and everyone well, moves on. Yeah. So recently, this week, um, actually in December, he emailed his state senator, Craig okay. Johnson, a Republican... But that's his representative. And he said, I'd like to deliver an invocation in the Senate, just like I did last year in the House. Can mm-hmm. you sponsor me? And the guy finally responded yesterday. Okay. Um, was it yesterday? It was yesterday. Uh, we're making this on Friday the 12th. And it's he basically so said, early. I know, he said, he said no. Oh. And the question is, why? Why would he say no? And Justin said, like, give me a reason or something. And what Johnson said is... I have to be accountable to myself and my constituents 
that and blah blah blah. He said other stuff too. But I have to be accountable to myself and my constituents. That doesn't mean anything, Hammond. No, it doesn't. And Justin wrote back. He's like, I'm a constituent of yours. Yeah. So how it's sponsoring me for this make you unaccountable to your constituents? And also, what? And so Johnson writes back again. To be clear, I am accountable to myself and my constituents who understand, who understood and understand me to be a legislator with Christian beliefs. Cool. Good job. Uh, I respect your enthusiasm for your beliefs, but I can no more sponsor this request than I could sponsor a bill for abortion. <sighs> so allowing an atheist to deliver a pretty anodyne invocation is to this guy like murdering babies. I have, uh, you don't even know where to start. Like, which also means, by the way, I guess he won't allow a Jew to speak or a Muslim to speak or a Hindu because, and again, this isn't, I'm not asking for your endorsement of atheism. No. Justin's not saying you have to agree with me. Well, and that's such garbage. That's such fucking garbage. Oh my God. That, I don't know why this is making me really angry right now, but like he's your constituent too. And there's other people who look, who like, and this isn't a bill. This is yeah. someone has to speak at the beginning of the session. It's usually a pastor, no, but just let this guy do it. Stupid. It's, it's such a symbolic God, it's, thing. And he it won't is. do it. Well, it's symbolic on both sides. It's, it's just this posturing of like, Oh, I'm such a good Christian that I won't even like, Dane to permit an <laughs> atheist to speak. Like, this is fucking garbage. Yes. Like, honestly, the whole invocation thing, I think, is dumb and antiquated. It is. And again, the ar- atheist argument here that I've heard from most organizations right. has been, there shouldn't be these invocations. Right. This is a religious ritual. It's just providing people with, like, more rope to hang themselves with, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to give you every opportunity to, like, reject atheists. Like, you don't have to fall into right. these traps. You can just say, like, yeah, dude, talk. And the Supreme Court said, if you want to have them, fine, but then you got to open it up to everybody. But you and have to have a sponsor to do it. In in the case of the legislature, yeah. Uh, I don't know and if that's the case for And why does he have to go to this? State. Does he have to go to his, his own representative? I don't think necessarily. No, but that's probably where you would start. No, of course. But and I'm so just that's wa- it. I'm I think he can always go to someone else, okay. and maybe there's a senator who will help him out. But in this case, he went to his own representative first, cool. and that's what he got. Did now he his, end with looking forward to your vote next November? No, he, he wrote back just saying, like, this is kind of ridiculous, whatever. He didn't get a response back. Um, that was yesterday. Who knows what the update's now. Um, here's the flip side of this. In Florida? Uh-huh. In Florida. Oh. Um, God, sorry. That was Florida, so scary. Like, we went into a minor <laughs> key here. Um, <laughs> in the Florida State House, uh-huh. they did have an invocation yesterday and it was from a humanist chaplain. Cool. Her name is T. Rogers. T. E. Awesome name again. Um, God, she's the humanist chaplain it. at the University of Central Florida, one of the few schools that has a humanist chaplain uh-huh. on the staff. She got an invite. Like her sponsorship came from state rep Carlos G. Smith, who also happens to be the first like LGBTQ Lat- uh, Latinx legislature uh-huh. a legislator too. He was so excited. That a humanist chaplain Great. was speaking, and like on his Twitter feed, uh, you could see him doing almost like a little jig, like oh, celebrating. Bless his heart. He's awesome. So she delivered it. It was a lovely speech. There was nothing offensive about it, and not I'm not saying that because she got any backlash for it. Uh-huh. But that's it. She delivered it. It was a non-event. Uh-huh. You know, no one had to make a big deal of it, and mm-hmm. the world went on. Great. So like Iowa could take a lesson from that. 
Cool. And then I got one more local government thing. Uh-huh. And this isn't even an atheist thing. In California, in the city of Encinitas, the Traffic and Public Safety Commission. I know, boring. Yeah. Right. Don't I'm turn s- off I'm, yet. I sleep. But there are seven commissioners. Two of them, for Still the past sleep. two meetings, have not said the Pledge of Allegiance. They've oh, remained really? in their seats. <laughs> and when people asked, when reporters asked, like, why are you not doing this? Um... One of them was like, he has a lot of reasons to. He thinks the whole idea of like pledging your allegiance to this country is a form of the quote hyper nationalist movement nice. that Trump has been leading here. Uh-huh. He actually said, cheerfully standing for the pledge is like wearing bright colors in a funeral prese- uh, procession. Whew. Yeah. That's strong. But does he just mean in the context of the Trump era or I, in general? I think specifically in, in the, the Trump, Trump era. era but God, in general, it's like, apt. Mm, yeah, because again, what does the pledge have? It has under God, which not everyone believes. Mm-hmm. It has the idea that we're I mean, under justice for all, which <laughs> LOL. Yeah, we don't have that. And then, the, yeah, the whole idea of the pledge itself. Indivisible, that, not really. Yeah, that everything our country does, we must support, like that sort of attitude. It's like, mm-hmm. no, our country is not great. We in got a some lot fixing to do. Um, the other uh, participant in the commission who did not participate didn't give a reason because she's like basically I'm paraphrasing her non-statement here I don't owe you a reason right yeah <laughs> like, I don't want to stand for it so I'm not now I'm tired what's the reaction one commissioner chill, chill and regular you know, one commissioner said he found the decision to sit and keep his hat on disrespectful. <gasps> that commissioner said, if you don't want to say it, that's fine with me. But all I'm asking is that you do show some respect for the people that do do it. Which what? apparently you sitting down is disrespectful to me. While well, really... you're being respectful to the country. Yeah, apparently. So not only not only do we have to like give deference to the flag and the pledge, but anybody else who is giving said deference also deserves my deference for their deference. Yeah. And you should, if you want to be respectful to me, well, you can't just sit down and not participate. You should pretty much just do what I do. That's the way to show respect. Yeah. That's Um, how most people respect me. That's why people yell at me so much. And one, (laughs) one veteran who showed up at the meeting Uh just as a a community member Uh said he didn't like that. Those two commissioners were quote, furthering their political agendas (gasps) while sitting on the commission. Their political agendas and politics. I know. Give me um, my pearls to clutch. <laughs> so yeah. Um, um, are those all your those local are all the stories? Local big I have ones. one to add that's not again not necessarily atheist uh, related. Yes. But um, as of January first, Illinois and I believe California as well um, requires schools and charter schools to provide uh, pads and tampons to oh. students for free, which is that wasn't the case. Ooh, super not the case. Um, ask any girl in high school uh-huh. who used a lot of toilet paper. Like, <laughs> it was the pits. Um, so, yeah, this is... Um, Illinois and California Illinois and that? California. Um, I know Illinois... To, um, I'm looking at a an article. Doesn't matter. Um, that it, it went into effect January 1st. Um, so, yeah, no, this is a big deal, especially for, um, you know, low-income kids, kids who maybe don't have access to those kinds of products at home, maybe don't have a great relationship with their parents, don't have the money to spend on this. Um, yeah, it's... Um, They're almost treating women like humans. Yeah, it's, it's very, step. very exciting. I mean, I feel like I'm like my 
hashtag hopes and dreams are that in a generation that is going to be as ubiquitous as providing yeah. toilet paper. Yeah, like you would it hope. is it is a thing that is necessary that like, you know, almost all women or almost all people who menstruate do carry those things around them usually, but everyone's been caught off guard and like that's great that young women are being provided for because God, high school is the pits. Getting your period is the worst. Like, it's all terrible. So, like, I'm glad we're making this <laughs> a little bit better. Good. So, yeah, that's exciting. Here's one that, again, sounds boring at the beginning. It's not. <laughs> South Glen Falls, Glen, yeah, South Glen Falls, New York, <gasps> uh, planning board. <laughs> I know, very exciting. Uh, they have their. Okay, it's a planning board. There are two men and three women who sit on that committee. Uh And actually, the third woman was the most recently appointed one to that committee. And they have room for one alternate. And that seat is vacant right now. So the question is, who's the mayor going to appoint? People are clamoring to get that seat. I know. (laughs) Who's the mayor going to appoint to this alternate seat? Mm -hmm. And the board's chairman, David Leinhan, L-I-N-E-H-A-N, Leinhan, whatever, He said he had a suggestion for who they should put as the alternate. Any ideas? Any ideas? Himself? He's already on the board as the chair. I was kind of... uh, He wanted... Jesus. A man. That's his qualification. You're fucking (laughs) kidding me. The new board member should just make sure it's a man. And the reason... Wait. Yeah. (laughs) okay wait okay i'm ready you know it's gonna be good because he has a long quotation to justify it my face is in my hands go ahead if you go back to the earliest years of creation god created man first just stop (laughs) so it was man's responsibility to make sure the woman did not eat from the tree of good and evil so if i had a man who was sensitive to the idea that man didn't do a good job of reminding the woman we wouldn't be in the situation we're in also Men would take the job of planning seriously. (laughs) Okay. I, like, there was buzzing in my ear for, like, half of that. So so I'm not sure if it was really gibberish or just my brain wasn't processing what you It was half gibberish and half the Bible says we need a man because men are superior, basically. Except for if there's a human woman in their presence, then they can't take their job seriously. (laughs) Right. But that's the woman's fault. (laughs) Right. But here's my favorite. He went on because now he had had mathematical justification for this. There's currently three women and two men on the board. Math checks out. Uh Uh-huh. And if you put another woman there, like, they'll get in. Right now, they have a majority. Sure. But you can't give them a super majority. Is that how super majorities work? No. Okay. And (laughs) he said women... He said women make up 51% of the population, so they now are overrepresented on the board already because it's three to two. No, I understand. Right? And then he went on, if you only have two males, you're less than 50%. It was more of an affirmative action statement. We're in the minority. Oh, my (laughs) God. Is this... Wait. Which, Just double check. It's not so the many, onion, right? No. Because I'm not sure no. anymore. So Don't worry. wait. There'll wait, be a happy no, ending to this story later. No. But does the guy well, resign well, from <clears throat> office and go live in a cave somewhere? Maybe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the Remains whole point is like, seen. dude, you have five people or six people on this board. It's gonna be out of whack in one direction. No, don't even it, like don't even give it. So him there's that a small number credit. thing. Like, oh yeah, no, it's stupid for many reasons. But it's like you don't. Whatever. 
as a stats teacher who had to show kids how to flip coins to like show, look, if you flip a coin four times, it's not going to be 50, 50 heads, tails all the time. But if you flip it a thousand times, you're going to get pretty close to 50, 50. So whatever, small numbers. Do you yell your kids like that? Oh, all the time. (laughs) But, um, the whole point that, no, that's the reason, because, I don't know, if you have four women and two men, like, something bad's going to happen. Like, and all of a sudden, this guy's super concerned about representation. Like, dude, take one step back and tell <laughs> me, like, can you tell me the racial demographics of your... I can. Oh, good. Because I looked at their pictures. Yay. They're all white. Oh. Which, again... What's the population of wherever New I, York? I don't know. And so, like, I don't know if that's I representative. Bet I bet it's not 100%. I bet it's not 100%. But it's like, it looks like you are all about this inclusion thing in when your it's head. In, when it's about you. When it's really just a male a thing. Like, you're not Fuck really inclusive. But again, five people. You're not going to be inclusive of everybody. I get that. But it's still a stupid reason. No, fuck him. Um, and then he added, he's not done talking. No, why? He said, don't get me wrong. I love women. My wife does my budgeting. Fucking knew it. I guess I was trying to be all inclusive. Oh, suck my dick, dude. (laughs) So anyway, the funny thing is if you listen to audio from this meeting when he made this suggestion, you actually hear one of the two women, three women currently on the board laughing at his suggestion like, aha, you're making a joke. Then they realize, oh, he's not joking. So then like, obviously, everyone else they talk to, the reporters talk to about this on the council, the mayor, they're all like, what the hell is this guy talking about? No one's defending this guy. No one's saying they're going to take his recommendations seriously. They're all like, no, we'll just put on whoever's qualified, whatever, out of our options. That's what we'll look at. Everyone else but this one dude seemed to have the right perspective on this. Cool. And the backlash was big. The backlash was huge once it got some coverage, right? And it realized, oh, it goes beyond this community. Like, everyone's pissed off at you. So, this week, he submitted his resignation letter. Fuck yeah, replace him with a woman. (laughs) Yeah, which would be hilarious. Um, He then, he said in his apology, it's not, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's kind of. He said, I now consider the remark made to at last month's meeting as prehistoric and unbecoming of any servant. Blah, blah, blah. I most of all will need to apologize to friends of the WWW, World Wide Web, who are also deserving. Wait, World Women's Wrestling? (laughs) Yeah. It's a weird apology letter. Uh, He did... That first sentence isn't my least favorite thing I've ever heard. But anyway, uh, the the whole letter made it sound like he was the victim. He meant well, but you all hate him for it. I'm sorry if anyone was offended kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, he's gone now. Bye. Whatevs. Um, Speaking of apologies, sidebar, I don't have this in my notes, but um, uh, Dan Herman, do you know who this is? So I heard of the story and I have no idea who any of the people involved are. So <laughs> then I skipped over it. Okay. That's really unsurprising. And it really, again, doesn't, isn't um, atheism or politics really adjacent, but it, it's an interesting um, circumstance that's happening in the current climate. So um, essentially it's a very long story, but um, Dan Harmon was the showrunner of an NBC show called community, which is one of my favorite shows of ever. I really like it a lot. Um, and I didn't know, any of this, but basically on Twitter, one of his former staff writers was a woman who basically said that she, that he consistently and frequently sexually harassed her and made her, and not only like made her feel uncomfortable in the workplace, but 
made her second guess her own talents. Like the hot and cold way he would treat her was really harmful for her. Um, and she called him out on Twitter in public and he went on his podcast and did about a seven minute apology. And she, the wo- oh, I'm going to have to look up the woman's name. Can you look it up for me? Dan Harmon sure. apology. Um, she called it a masterclass in apologies. And I was skeptical when I went to listen to it. Megan Gans. Megan Gans. She was a writer in community. Um, and it was, very introspective. What, okay, I'm sorry. What? what was his apology that he made that she appreciated so much? Like, the, what did he say? So, essentially, he started by explaining the situation as it was. It was that he was a showrunner. He became infatuated with this writer, Megan. Um, he was in a relationship with somebody else, was lying to his girlfriend, was lying to her, was lying to himself about his feelings, and became, like, obsessed with her and constantly, like, treated her special and all this. And she consistently and frequently said, like, please stop doing this. I'm not interested. Um, eventually broke up with his girlfriend, told this girl that he was in love with, that he was in love with her, this woman that he was in love with her. She rejected him as she had been doing for the last two years. Um, and he kind of not only made her life hell, but he basically in this apology said, I destroyed my show. Like my show got ruined. I w- he was so, um, just so fucked up over it, but it was, he, the way he laid it out was somebody who sat down and talked to the people he hurt, talked with a therapist about his own issues and really understood what he had done wrong and felt badly for it. And, um, and, I think will change moving forward. And it was a sincere and heartfelt apology. He clearly was really in hindsight, very troubled by his own actions and understands why he didn't do the, I'm sorry if you were offended or like, you know, please, you know, I'm going to go to sex therapy for a week. Um, And the kind of thing that, that got to me was when he was discussing the way he, um, he treated uh, Megan, this writer, he said, uh, it, none of it is anything I would do if I had any respect for women. It is something I did because I clearly saw women as an other and this sort of foreign entity. Um, and I would recommend, it's um, Harmontown, his most recent episode, I think it starts around 18 minutes in. Um, it's it's good. It, I mean, obviously it doesn't absolve him for anything that he did, um, but I think it is... I was talk- I've been talking to a couple of people about this idea of uh, forgiveness of men who have made these kind of egregious actions. Do we just blackball them? Do we let them change and come back? Like, what's the right thing to do? And to me, I think it's really similar to talking about, uh, like, prison. Like, do you consider prison a punishment or is it an opportunity to rehabilitate somebody so they're a productive member of society? And I don't know the right answer, but it does give me hope that you know, when you, when the Kevin Spacey's of the world come out and say, like, oh, no, I didn't do this thing. Also, I'm gay. Like, I'm going to obfuscate as much as I can. That's not somebody who is taking responsibility for what he did or interested in change. Um, what I hear from Dan Harmon seems to me closer to that. Um, so, anyway, I w- it was very, uh, it was really interesting to hear and, and, and worth, a, worth a listen for sure. That seems like a good segue into this story which is kind of the opposite of all that. 
Uh, here's the here's what you need to know to make sense of this because this happened I think right after we recorded our last podcast. Uh, there is a church in Memphis, Tennessee, High Point Church, mega church. The guy who's their teaching oh, pastor is Andy Savage. I have this too. Yeah. So about 20 years ago, when Andy Savage was like a youth pastor, mm-hmm. uh, not affiliated with this church, he one of the kids that he basically mentored as the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, her name was Jules Woodson, and according to Jules, well, she sees his uh, Twitter feed and stuff, and one of the things he said at the end of November, this is around the time Matt Lauer's stuff was happening, mm-hmm. Andy Savage tweeted, so saddened to hear of another high-profile person in the midst of sexual misconduct allegations. It, it's beginning to seem that sex on our own terms isn't working. Go figure, hashtag marriage. Oh, suck my dick, yes. dude. Um, st- yeah, he added, oh, no, he didn't add. But like, okay, so, and by the way, he has a book coming out next year, uh, oh, sorry, later this year, called The called Ridiculously Good Marriage. Like, how to Kindling have a good marriage. for Jessica's Fireplace. Uh-huh. And so Jules Woodson sees this, and she writes him an email. Do you remember that night you were supposed to drive me home from church and instead drove me to a deserted back road and sexually assaulted me? Do you remember how you acted like you loved me and cared about me in order to cooperate in such acts, only to run out of the vehicle later and fall to your knees begging for forgiveness and for me not to tell anyone what had just happened? Well, I remember. And take the secret to her grave is well, the the term I heard. Something like that. Um, and here's the story. And I f- she wrote this. It was published on a website like a day or two later because mm-hmm. I don't think he responded to that email. No. So... <clears throat> this is what she said he just specifically. Apologized this week is yeah. what I saw. So she was 17 at the time, which, in case you're wondering, I think technically that is the age of consent. Whatever. God, if you have to say technically, technically when you're talking about. Uh, so if you're wondering what the legal ramifications are, she was 17, he was older, whatever it was. I'm sure. But he was also uh, talking about he's the youth minister. Like he's he in a 22. position of power over her. Uh-huh. Right? So. Um, According to her, I'm going to read this because I think it's relevant. This is what Jules Woodson wrote. I'm not doing this to be salacious, but because this is relevant to the story. She's dri- he's taking her home uh, in his car. Mm-hmm. He turned onto a dirt road and continued to drive. There were trees all around. I could not see the main road anymore from which he turned from. I asked what was back here. He told me they were building a church. I thought maybe that's what this was about. Maybe he has some secret to tell me, like perhaps he was moving to another church. He reached a dead end, and he turned the truck around before putting it in park. We were stopped, and he turned the headlights off. Suddenly, Andy unzipped his jeans and pulled out his penis. He asked me to suck it. (gasps) I was scared and embarrassed, but I did it. I remember feeling that this must mean that Andy loved me. He then asked me to unbutton my shirt. I did. He started touching me over my bra and then lifted my bra up and began touching my breasts. This goes on for a while, but the I'm going to forward to later on in her open letter here. Like, this is something that has traumatized her for a long time, yeah, as you might imagine. fucking terrifying. So she published this open letter, right, online. So the response now is, uh, so you have reporters like, hey, Andy, like, what is this all about? Mm-hmm. Uh, because since then, he's been hired to be this pastor at a megachurch. And so what he says is basically... This is something, he doesn't deny it. He says, this did happen. I feel horrible about it, according to him. And he says, everyone in the church leadership 
was aware of this. I told them about this when I got hired. Like, whatever. Like, they forgave me for it. But he never went to the authorities about this. Nothing real ever happened. And she went to her church leaders after this happened, too. And I, that's, she, what, that's what I read yeah. in a report. Yeah. And it, it happened. He called it a sexual incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried to respond in a biblical way. He resigned from ministry at the time, moved back home to Memphis. I accepted full responsibility for my actions, whatever that means, because he didn't do anything. Um, He feels bad, whatever. So this goes on for a while. Um, So he says this. That's not really an apology, because one, you didn't even, as far as we know, say anything to her. her. And it sounds like you only told your church if we believe you then you only told your church leadership who hired you Mm -hmm. just because they might have found this out later or something um by the way woodson jules woodson the girl Mm -hmm. says she submitted to report to law enforcement this oh she did now this week now um i don't know what the statute of limitations are i don't know if that matters but he was in a position of trust so who knows? But here's the thing that gets really troublesome. And this is why this became a national story this week. On Sunday, Andy Savage gets on gets in front of his congregation and he delivers what he thinks is an apology. And basically, he doesn't explain that he drove her to the side of a road like or to a faraway little enclosure and basically coerce her into blowing him a like against her will, but mm-hmm. she was pressured into it. Mm-hmm. He didn't explain any of that. He didn't get into the details of what he did or what he was thinking or anything like that. He said, you know, I did this incident or whatever that happened a while ago. The church leadership knows this has haunted him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very, it's something that he's had to struggle with. But now that it's a public story, he wanted the church to know, whatever, that he feels bad. And they respond with a standing ovation. Because he's the victim in all this, I guess. This is how seriously these evangelicals take sexual assault. Like, when their people do it, it's not really a big deal. It's a Hollywood problem, you know? They'll trash Hollywood for this stuff, but when it happens in their neck of the woods, no, our guy's forgiven. He meant well, you know, or whatever. Well, and it's usually about he's forgiven himself, so it's our job to forgive him, or he thinks yeah, God or has God, forgiven Yeah, or he thinks him. God has forgiven him, therefore everyone should get over it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, I, I don't care what you've done since. So... You, Okay, so I'm I'm kind of sitting here thinking, okay, what's the what's the fundamental difference between these two apologies that we put back to mm-hmm. right of Dan Harmon and this? Because it sounds nozzle. like Dan Harmon actually understood mm-hmm. what he did that's and his, why it was wrong and the and harm he caused. That's I think that's the thing is, um, he what he, man, I don't know. This dude doesn't a savage does not apologized for the harm he did to this woman. I, if you does, ask from him, what, from what do what, you think? From what I, he said, he didn't talk about the trauma that he caused her or the fear she must have been in being driven by somebody she trusted to like a dark, abandoned road. Like, th- I watch a lot of true crime documentaries. That's how they all fucking start. Is like, this girl is probably afraid of for her life. So... What he is worried about is... Or at the very least thinking, I have to do this because oh, 100%. this guy I trust is, is and, telling me to. 
And the fact that he then is doing this performative, oh, it's so sad that that s- people are being, you know, people are doing sexual misconduct in this salacious way because, oh, no God in their life. Like, it's all so fucking icky and so... It, just like a lack of self-awareness. He, I don't think he understands what he did wrong. I, th- that's what and I, okay. I wonder what his congregation, it doesn't sound like they know what he did wrong. No, I think that's it. I, I'm kind of talking in circles a little bit because yeah. I'm trying to find the answer myself because yeah. I don't really know. I think this man does not understand what he did wrong. I think he thinks engaging in a sexual act in and of itself is the bad thing. So like, I, I th- honestly think that's what it is. I think he's like, oh, I got a BJ from a high schooler 20 years ago or whatever Before it was. I was married. Before I was <laughs> married. And that was the sin. And that's what I should be. That's what I am. That's what he's apologizing for. Right. Mm. Doesn't that doesn't. Isn't that what it seems? He's apologizing for just having sexual contact. It's, not, it's an apology that's very similar to like. I had sex with someone who wasn't my wife before we were married. That sort of an apology. That's the same. It's not different. Yeah. And like, since then, he said in his apology, quote unquote, since then I have tried to live my life in keeping with that original act of repentance. Like, no, it's the same apology, quote unquote, that you hear from people who say I committed sexual sins right. in my youth. So it, what I'm hearing is a man who doesn't understand what he did wrong, doesn't care does not pass a thought to the victim in this, which is, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. not himself, mm-hmm. no matter how shitty he feels about Like, if I shoot somebody, I bet I'll feel bad about shooting shooting them, but they're going to be a lot worse off than I am. So, like, that's the bad person. That's, like, the person who's the victim. And the big difference is that if you actually wanted to do something about it, you should have reported it right. or turned yourself in or something. Right. So his rape or responded that he to this did, woman's letter before she published it. Right. Like if you actually cared, I don't know. I, I, uh, that's that might be hypocritical. Here's what's been interesting. Me, so even the New York Times covered the standing ovation from the congregation, which is kind of like the whole point. Like this is appalling that these Christians think so little right. of what this guy did that they're willing to give him a standing ovation mm-hmm. for basically raping this underage girl mm-hmm. at the time or under 18 girl at the time like you know he's forgiven they don't even know what he did because they didn't talk about it in church but there he's That's forgiven the done because he th- says he has god on his side so yeah i mean uh, as a college student on staff at a church in texas more than 20 years ago i regretfully had a sexual incident with female high school senior in church this yep. is not saying sexual I incident. raped somebody. Yep. This is not saying I sexually assaulted somebody. This is not saying I drove this that woman makes it sound like into he had the a r- fucking woods. If she was 18, he would have been like, I, or if he said I had a relationship with someone who I like, who was a student of mine in a way, like None there's an it, ethical problem with that. But this is a crime that he's talking yeah. about. And he's br- he's using the lightest possible mm-hmm. terms to absolve himself as quickly and easily as possible. And it's pain-free for him because he's already been through enough. Like, and he has a nice job as the pa- megachurch pastor. Like, he'll be... And Jesus, like, that's really, like... The the bar to clear to be a megachurch pastor isn't even don't have, don't have <laughs> raped somebody. Like... Yeah, if nice you're, you're this nice. dude is going to stand up every Sunday or whatever and talk at 
thousands of people in Texas about morality and right versus wrong. And meanwhile, he clearly doesn't understand it. But we're the moral relativists. It's just fucking garbage. It's yeah. so infuriating. Not to compare this the two situations, but we just had, you know, whatever yesterday Donald Trump calls whatever every black country a shithole. Yeah. But the evangelical advisory council that he has... I. I think I've heard oh, no one resigned over that. Fuck. I think one of them said, well, the language was bad, but the sentiment was right. No, it's the exact no, opposite. fuck you. Shithole is the least offensive part of what he said. It's the idea that if you come from countries that he doesn't personally approve of, like, they must be and, shitholes. And, and the naked racism of yeah. it. When yeah, it's, yeah. when it's oh, these brown nations are shitholes. We need more Norwegians or Swedes. Right, right. Swedes. Norwegians. Like, Dude, at least be fucking subtle about your racism. Even First Norway nor, nor, was. Nor even, Norwegians want to come here. Even Norway was like, that was racist. Yeah, Stop it. like, no Norwegians want to come here. They have like th- some of the highest living standards in the fucking world. They're fine. They don't want to come here. Do you want... And he says it like he's like a corporate recruiter. How come we can't get those Norwegians? Like, that's not how immigration works, Donald. I'm sorry. Do you want a happy story or another pissed off story? Um, let's say the happy story for the end because I have another pissed off story. Okay, too. here, let me give you a pissed off story. Okay. Um, the Golden Globes were on Sunday. Oh, that's my oh, pissed off story. That. Um, I don't know where you're going with yours, but mine's a feminist rant about about the way women dress. Oh, let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, Joshua Feuerstein. Who's that? Uh, that's the guy who's uh. The guy who always wears the backwards cap and films vertical videos and ta- yells about Starbucks cups. Uh, okay. So he filmed a <laughs> nice long rant. That's such a good burn, vertical videos, dick. <laughs> uh, I'm um, going to... God, I don't even want to imitate him. I hate this don't, guy. Don't. But um, last night at the Golden Globes, a bunch of actresses donned black and walked the red carpet in order to fight sexual harassment. Now, normally, I'd be right there fighting alongside them because sexual harassment is bad. Here's the only irony is that they were, 70-80% of them, dressed like hookers. Cool. Hey, Hammond, I'm so glad you brought this up because Uh I did a bunch of research because I've been thinking about this all fucking week. Uh Because um, not only, like, just on my own, not even this fucking ass wipe, but, like, on my own timeline on Facebook, I had uh, somebody, can we talk about the Golden Globes for a second? So all the actresses were black as a standing against sexual harassment. But can I share some of the dresses worn at the event? I'm going to, if I'm going to wear something to stand against sexual harassment, I'm probably not going to flaunt my legs and have my cleavage hanging out all over the place. Uh, just saying, which if you end anything you say with just saying, I will <laughs> jump through your computer and throttle you. Somebody else, what is Catherine Zeta-Jones not wearing? Aren't we trying to stop sexuality from becoming the divine element of a woman? So... Josh Feuerstein added, you get paid to take your clothes. I'm sorry. No, uh, your hypocrisy is showing. Why? You say you don't want to be sexually objectified. Your movies would make us think differently. Okay. So I honestly have thought so long and hard about how to address this. Because all I can think about, like, to me, the Alpha and Omega is, like, the way a woman dresses should not affect how you treat her. But I feel like we've been saying that for a million years and clearly that's not it so i have been kind of talking to somebody and i took notes because i was really like i was like weirdly nervous about talking about this because like what else can be said about this t- like how wh- what's more simple than like hey it doesn't matter what a woman is wearing you're not allowed to like touch or grab her so so there's a few things um 
so how a woman dresses doesn't mean you can treat her like shit. She's never asking for it. Like th- that's to me like the most basic tenant of like being a human is she's never asking for it based on what she's wearing. Um, so that's kind of that putting that away. I think there's also an element of men taking ownership over women and how they dress. So the understanding is women who dress in say something revealing is doing so for as a performative measure for men or they wear makeup for men or what like as if women dress themselves up as to be a good decorative object in public for men which is a really shitty notion that I think is going to take a long time for us to to lose um, because I think it has ingrained ourselves so long and so hard that women are expected to um, to look a certain way when they go out in public because otherwise they're what I don't if know. If they don't wear the makeup or the dress, right. then people will slam that. <sighs> they don't get they don't win either way here, right? Um, and th- and that's the other thing is it's definitely women are put in a position of not being able to win. So um, they, women, when they walk down the red carpet, like these kinds of opportunities, going, going to the Golden Globes, walking the red carpet, is part, if you're an actress, that's part of your job. That's part of your brand. And so if, and so if you want to make sure, like you want to look a certain way, you want to portray a certain image, and if it is that you are like a gorgeous woman who probably works really hard on how you look, that is really empowering to be able to show that off in a really um, in a personal way that you get to pick the terms of. Um, I think that if women had shown up dressed in turtlenecks and long sleeves, I think the message that would send is that women the, the that it's women's fault for being sexually harassed or being paid because remember it's not just about sexual harassment or assault it's about pay disparity and all of those things that go with it so and he didn't mention any of this because he's too focused on oh i see boobies therefore i'm going to ignore everything you have to say exactly exactly um so the idea that um if, if they dressed modestly it would be a signal of you like of you can't control yourself, so I have to cover myself up. And this is the same kind of thing that we see that leads down the road. Because also we have to discuss, okay, what would be conservative enough? Because even if like some of these dresses just had long sleeves... I imagine if Josh Feuerstein was a Muslim, then he'd be all in favor of putting burqas on all women. Exactly. Women. And I don't know... If you've looked up any stories recently, but burqas don't prevent rape and sexual assault from Mm -hmm. happening. So if women who only show their eyes and even some not that, if they can't walk down the street without being without men harassing them, maybe just fucking maybe the problem isn't with what women are wearing and it's with fucking men and how they think they're entitled to touch us just by being in their presence. Um, And I think it should also, uh, while we're here, Mentioned that this is just an attack, I think, on a lot of sex workers too. As if I'm just going to degrade them too because they don't, they can't possibly have self worth. Yeah, or ju- <laughs> it's just this idea of anything a woman does is doing it for the attention of a man or for the praise of a man, and it's so deep seated and it's so fucking gross 
that I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, he added, he added that you get paid to the Hollywood actresses. You get paid to take your clothes off and perform sex acts on other actors. That doesn't make it art or entertainment. That makes you a porn star, an overpaid porn star. It's like porn stars. First of all, they also have a right not to be harassed. Yes. And they pick and choose what they're doing and with whom. And, and like, why is it women who are the ones who are the yep. trashy ones for <laughs> There are guys in porn too, movies. you know. There are men in <laughs> men in movies who simulate sex. Right. Like what that's You don't the see thing. him attacking them. And and nobody is saying like, "Oh, I don't know who's an actor who's ripped. Um, I don't know who's handsome. I don't know I anymore. Which, who's the Thor one?" I don't know. Um, That's really Chris, Chris Hemsworth. So if he is in a movie with his shirt off or walking down the street with like a tank top or that weird thing that dudes wear to work out in when it's like a t-shirt, but it's like cut. So their nipples are showing. Have you ever seen this? I'm wearing it's, one right now. <laughs> like nobody, nobody's going to the gym and seeing a guy who's wearing that, which God knows I have or, <laughs> or like running with his shirt off. Nobody's looking at him being like, he's just running for attention. Like uh-huh. it's this double standard. It seems so obvious that I couldn't believe that this was the shit I had to research this yeah. week. Like me telling people that what a woman wears doesn't affect her value in society is like basic one Oh one human garbage. Right. But um, Josh Feuerstein does not care about your humanness. Uh, you're not a human unless you're a male or like a fetus. Everyone else does not matter. Uh, when I, wait, one more, no, yeah. two more quick things about this. Um, when I was, I was, I reached out to a couple of friends who I was like, help me like organize. I just couldn't organize my thoughts on this yeah. as is uh, evident by my rambling right now. Uh, but somebody sent me a, an article by Ava Hackbird Fisher from uh, January 3rd, 2018. And she basically talked about her experience as um, somebody who accused a professor of sexual misconduct. Um, and she talked about, she talked through it in terms of the outfits that she picked of like, okay, well, if these pants are too short or too long or this dress, is this too revealing? Or will I be taken seriously but still portray this idea of a poor, poor grad student? And she had like in, um, instances of outfits like, don't wear this because this is what they'll think. <laughs> and my favorite one was, um, it was like a black V-neck tight dress with, um, uh, with like black heels. And she said... You can't wear this because you always want to stay just plausibly sexy enough to look like you could have been harassed, but 100% weren't weren't asking for it. <laughs> Which I think most women who have dressed in professional sense can relate to. Finally, there was a really interesting um, study in the Journal of Entrepreneurial Entrepreneurship and Organization Management um, from October 2015, talking about the um, the commodification of women in advertising, the social cost. So it's essentially, it kind of reflects back to like what what this dude is saying of like the way you do, the, the way you present yourself kind of humiliates who you are and makes you less human. Um, they talk about, um, the so the paper, the abstract says it, um, it examines how tr- how advertising transforms attitudes towards women uh, tuning into these ads into mere objects to be looked at. Um, this kind of portrayal can be dangerous repercussions for society as it strongly influences how me- how women are being viewed. So essentially, the fact that women are almost always in advertisements in some way, whether they're selling a beauty product or like a fucking cheeseburger and they're in a bikini and sitting right. on a car. The, when we are inundated with those images over and over and over again, you just get used to like seeing women as set decoration and mm. little more. And so it all kind of 
bundles together that women can't win because if they're they don't try hard enough, they aren't pretty, they aren't thin, they don't look like these women, they're dismissed because they don't take care of themselves, they don't try <laughs> hard enough. But if they are pretty and do take care of themselves and do put on makeup and do their hair and wear a low-cut dress, then they're these sluts who don't deserve to be listened to because all they care about is how they look. And so there's this invisible tightrope that we are expected to walk to be taken seriously in this world and fuck if I know where it is. Um, and that's the end. Don't okay, worry, right. Josh Fierstein will tell you exactly where it but is. But like, I don't. That's the thing is like, apparently every man or every guy who makes these kinds of comments has this like specific <laughs> ideal way that a woman should dress. It's yeah. you want makeup on, but not too much makeup on. So you want the quote unquote natural look, which like jerk off motion. Mm-hmm. You can wear a dress, and it can be slim fitting, but not low cut. But, like, a low-cut dress for somebody with small boobs is much easier to get away with. Like, I can wear, like, a fucking crew neck t-shirt and still have cleavage. <laughs> so there's something that I have to account for. Like, are my arms showing or are they not showing? If I wear a sleeveless dress, well, like, I don't have really skinny muscular arms I've, anymore. Are I've those okay to this. show? So I coach a public speaking team. Uh-huh. And the whole thing is you got to dress professionally for all these things. So it's so funny because at the beginning of the year when we're telling all the new kids on the team, look, this is what you're expected to wear with uh-huh. certain exceptions. We don't want you buying, spending money for right. all this stuff. It's easy for me to say, guys, just yeah. solid shirt, like, dress pants, Mm -hmm. a tie, we're good. Yep. And then every time it's like, what should the women wear? I'm going to shut up and let the captains of the team or anyone else talk because it's so complicated because the girls do this all the time where they're like, look, we, they have the same conversation you just had where Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't want to show cleavage, but sometimes you can't help it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can wear this. Sometimes you don't want to wear this. Mm -hmm. And especially we, I've had this conversation with some of the, the girls on my team do you wear uh, like a pantsuit sort of mm-hmm. thing or do you wear a skirt? And if so, how long? Because in some of the things, if they're acting, they may have to do certain movements where it's like, well, we don't want to mm-hmm. do anything that might put you in an uncomfortable position or anything. And it's like, these are high school kids doing public speaking. Talk mm-hmm. about Hollywood stars on a red carpet. Right. My God, you Well, and like, win. you know, if a, like a woman, a high school girl showed up in like khakis and a button down the way I'm sure most dudes would do, mm-hmm. they would be marked down because they yeah. don't look nice. Because because women's professional clothing is just modified men's clothing. Okay, here, <laughs> here we're going to get into some, some conspiratorial territory. Uh-huh. So the reason men women have so much... Tr- this is literally something I made up like a few weeks ago when I was thinking about this. It might not be based on anything. The reason women have such a hard time dressing formally in a uniform fashion is that men have suits and that was when they've always had suits always different modifications of suits when women entered the professional world they were expected to mimic men they were always trying to look more like men and and so women were blazers or button down and like as a woman with breasts button downs fucking suck like they burst open at the slightest moment but like that is what is considered quote-unquote professional because it's a mass a traditionally masculine shirt even if it's like you know slim cut or feminine it is a masculine look that is tailored to be more feminine like blazers on a woman can be tricky again if you have boobs because like that shit doesn't lay right but if i don't wear your standard pantsuit what are my options for just a regular dress a regular 
piece of clothing that keeps me warm because offices are always fucking freezing because you dudes are dicks and can't take like roll up your <laughs> fucking sleeves for once and so all of my, you know when i was working at the bank i was wearing like business professional clothes and that means skirts in fucking february so i'm wearing tights and heels and like just there's no uh, i think i've lost my train of thought but i'm just really frustrated with everybody right now and right now and also pockets <laughs> <laughs> There's a really interesting article about, like, the politics of pockets. It's very interesting. Really? Ask any woman how they feel about pockets, and they will have strong opinions. Interesting. I have lost two brave phones because <laughs> I trusted the pockets of my blazer to hold a cellular telephone and just splat oh no. shattered twice, two times, two times in a fucking blazer pocket. Give me usable pockets. Anyway, go ahead. That's all I had. Moving on. Gwyneth Paltrow wants to sell you something. We're going to do rapid fire because we're at an hour and like okay. we got to wrap up soon. So I got a million other things. But okay, fast. <sighs> Gwyneth Paltrow wants to sell you a coffee enema. No, absolutely. Yes. Moving on. $135. Moving on. Moving on. Coffee emblems are terrible. I still got to point out. It looks like a Mountain Dew bottle with like a squirt gun <sighs> sticking out the edge. Hey, guys, just, like, don't do enemas. Don't do coffee enemas. If you're going to do an enema and going to do a coffee enema, make sure you let the coffee cool first. <laughs> there are actually more incidents than you would like to know about that when people burn their rectal area because oh. they're fucking idiots. Well, they read goop, so who knows. Uh, there is a Turkish scientist who actually made Ken Ham look smart this week. Oh, I know. No. This guy, Yavuz Ornek. I hate everything about this because oh, the scientist wait. looks dumb and Ken Ham looks smart. He's a lecturer at Istanbul University. He shows up on a state-run TV channel. Uh -huh. um, and he starts to explain, like, before Noah boarded his ark, because no. even the Quran references Noah, uh, before Noah went on the ark, he spoke with his son, but his son was far away. So how do you reconcile that? How did Noah talk to his son? And this guy's answer? Cups and string. Called him up on a cell phone. Get the fuck out. I'm done with that story. Absolutely Because if he not. could build the ark, surely no. he could build the... Wait, it goes on. God it goes it. on. Not only did Noah make an iPhone or something back in the day... I'm sure it was a cricket phone. Uh -huh. The ark was built, not a, not with wood, oh, but God. with steel plates. Oh, fucking kill me right now. And it was powered by nuclear energy. What's this guy's science doctorate in? Uh, nothing. And it wasn't full of animals. Uh, well, how did Noah get all the animals on board the ark in a like, reasonable way? DNA. He got their sperm and eggs separately. That's Makes actually... Makes you wonder what Noah... I mean, that kind of explains if he's 600 would... years old. I, now I know what he was doing for the best... <laughs> Long time, Ew, and then he added oh, whatever. This guy added, Chris "I am Rooney." You're welcome. I am a scientist. I speak for science. No, sir. He did. No, okay, I, I got another that. one for no, you. No, I hate this. Um, Bill Donahue, the Catholic League, the blowhard who basically works out of, I assume, his basement at his mother's home. Hmm. Um, he put out a press release saying Hollywood has a sexual harassment problem. Accurate. And he said, Unlike Catholics. <laughs> well, what he said is, is there is no institution in the nation today, religious or secular, that has a better record in dealing with sexual misconduct than the Catholic Church. Everyone should look to the church for ideas on how to fix your sexual harassment problems. What? Yes. Yep. 
Okay, again, Hammond, scroll up. Was this the onion? Nope. What he, the he thinks that if you go from you a failing about? grade to a D minus, because now people are aware of these problems, and like the church is somewhat doing some stuff to try to prevent it. Like if you just because you fail and you get a D minus doesn't mean we're supposed to throw you a parade. Does he go to the same school as Donald Trump? Is like if I say something emphatically, nobody will ever fact check it or even think critically about it. Oh, I'm fully aware that I, I he knows damn well that his little press releases will be heard. Um, what the fuck? Uh-huh. Here's a more happier story for you. Mm-hmm. Charlie Daniels, the singer, <laughs> Devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> I yeah, he's back in the news <laughs> because the because Taco Bell put out a commercial saying basically they have a bunch of new items on their dollar menu. <laughs> and so the premise of their ad campaign is we found secrets in a dollar that no one else could because like $20, 20 items for a dollar, 20 steps on the pyramid on the back oh, of a dollar. Who's really behind this? The ad asks and they're like, Oh, yes, it's the Belluminati. Cute, clever, maybe that's you roll a, your eyes, whatever. That's kind of funny. Good job, Taco um, Bell. So Charlie Daniels pipes up and says, Hey, Taco Bell, the Illuminati is not a frivolous subject. So fucking good. I'm trying to find... Oh, my God, the, he took the seven-layer burrito way too seriously. Oh, it's so good. I'm trying to find... Somebody did a parody on... Oh, here's somebody... So this was, who is this tweeter? Um, Mick Leems, M-C-L-E-E-M-Z. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a value meal. He was in the line, spent $3.99. So also the Illuminati's real. Nice. And I sure loved it. And I got one more for you. Okay. Uh, More serious story. uh, Donald Trump has a spiritual advisor, basically the Christian who's with him at all times. Currently in a coma. (laughs) She is. Yeah. I mean, no one's watching him, but like. There are plenty of Christians who will capitalize on him. Uh-huh. Paula White is her name. Popular televangelist, the blonde hair, like she, closer to God. Closer <laughs> to God. Yep. Um, he likes her because she's a televangelist who's a good-looking woman. So he likes having her by his side all the time. Sure. So anyway, that's on brand. She. The question has always been like, why are you supporting this guy? Of course, but like, how is she going to find a way to make money off of this? Because you know she's going to. Well. On her website, if you go to it, it now has a, quote, first fruits campaign where basically she says, you know, each January, I put God first and honor him with the first of our substance by sowing a first fruits offering of one month's pay. She gives a month's salary to God. And you can do the same, whether it's a month's salary or a week's or a day's salary. She says, give to the ministry because God will provide. Basically, give me seed money. God will reward you for it. Two things about this. One is only two. Only two that care I care about right now. One is okay. She's basically saying, "Give me a month's salary," and mm-hmm. it's January, so of course now give me your month's salary. Which and you know she's publicizing this now, and she's getting the boost from the pre- not that the not that Trump has retweeted her or something, but she's always in the news well, to defend she- Trump. She's an employee of the White House, of course. She's an, I don't know if she's oh. an employee, but she's still his quote-unquote advisor. Yeah. The other thing is, she says, I give God a month's pay. Where is that check going to? Yeah. Her own ministry? In be. other words, she's writing a check to herself? Ugh. Like, I don't get that Fucking at all. Monsters. And is anyone asking that question? No. Like, no. Why, and why would they? So, 
and okay, we've talked about this before. All John Oliver did a great segment on it too. When you give the little money you have, because usually these sorts of campaigns target uneducated, not really well off financially people, mm-hmm. they're like, well, what hopes do I have? It's the same reason the lottery. It always targets poor people too, because right. this is your one chance to get out, mm-hmm. even though it's not really a chance. Mm-hmm. These things do the same thing. It's like, give us money and God will reward you down the line. Mm-hmm. So these rich televangelists get richer, the poor get poorer. Um, it happens all the time. They're not in the position to ask questions. They're looking for hope. And she's trying to give it to them by enriching herself. And of course, that's what Donald Trump does too. And, you know, vote for me, invest in me. I'll make your life better, even mm-hmm. though everything he's done has made life for middle poor people worse. Cool. So, cool. hey, surprise. Cool as usual. Nice job, Christians. Um, are you out of stories? I'm done. Okay, so next week is our 200th episode. How did that happen? I don't congrats. know. People, hey, congrats to us. We um, should do something. Yeah, so we've kind of tossed around ideas. We're just going to do this again. No. Okay, so... Mm. <laughs> no, I say. <laughs> um, so I think we should do like an AMA listener mail kind of deal. Thing. If you have questions, friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We'll do our best to answer those questions next week. I think it would be fun to like have a night because we did a thing like that for our 100th episode. Did we really? We did. It was the first time I think we recorded here. Look at that. <laughs> and it was only like 15 minutes long because you, you couldn't get the equipment working. That sounds about right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that would be fun and nice. Maybe, yeah. So, either questions about us or like questions you have about what's going on in the news or maybe a way like one of our inter- somebody we interviewed in the past has impacted you or oh you know, i'd love just, to hear that story or just like where tell us about your experience with the podcast and you know yeah we'll share those i think it would be nice i'll bring i have some barefoot champagne left over from <laughs> new year's Hemant barefoot is a yes low tier wine interesting <laughs> uh-huh. this wine yeah I mean, ah, oh, I hate that we record so early. I wanted a glass of wine today. Later, um, Hemant, what is your hey? I'm at Hemant Meta. Happy thing. Of the happy week. thing. Because we forgot last week, um, and I wanted to talk about Ladybird. I saw Ladybird. Wasn't it good? It was cute. Cute. It was fine. That's not your happy thing, though. Uh, I'll think. You go first. Uh, so my okay, my happy thing is sort of related to my dog, as per usual, because that's the only good thing I have in my life. Um, but she turned one yesterday. Aww. And so yesterday was Thursday. So Wednesday night, Mikey, my husband comes home from, he works in the city and we're talking about like what we're going to do the next day. And he reaches into like his little satchel and he pulled out a little like birthday candle with a one on it. And I burst into tears. That's adorable. (laughs) And so anyway, yesterday I spent all day with my dog, watched her favorite show, brought her to the park, got her a dog birthday cake. (laughs) She did not like it. You know what? Here's the happy thing. So I spent all of last weekend preparing all the Kickstarter books to send out. uh There were five or six boxes of books that I had to mail out and Kindle books that we had to get out to people. And finally... You're done? They're out of my hands. Yay! We mailed them. I was in the air, was in the post office for like four hours with a very unhappy postal staff. Oh, no. But we got them out. Yay! They're out of my hands. That's excellent. Project over. I mean, we'll try to publicize it still, but like... sure. My like, hard part is you've done, done. Yeah, you've done your job. <laughs> oh, so also, we would appreciate if any of you bought the book, Queer Disbelief, or you read it. Uh, we'd appreciate a review on Amazon or tell people about it. That always helps. Can you kick me a copy? I will. Maybe that'll be one of my book clubs. Ooh. It'd be. It's a really exclusive get. So, <laughs> um, oh, also, I saw Itania last week, and it is. Oh, how was that? Mm, 
one of my favorite movies really? I've seen in a very long time. Interesting. It's really good, really well acted, and uh, tells a more interesting story than like just about a figure skater. It's about class. The New York Times ran a profile of her like this week, and it was the same of thing. Of Tanya Harding? Of Tanya Harding. Yeah. It was really interesting because I, when I was 11 when all that stuff happened. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I didn't know any of this stuff yeah. back in the day. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see like the snapshots of things that I very vividly remember, like her with her leg on the yeah. the wall because her her lace broke. But like all of the shit around it, I didn't know. It's it's very 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 good. It's right. not everywhere. I didn't understand the class struggle obviously back in the day. Right. I didn't know what was her involvement or lack thereof. Or yeah. Whatever, it, so. It's it's very interesting. Uh, Hemant, Twitter. At Hemant Meta. <laughs> I'm at Blueberry B L U E B U R I E, um, friendly atheist podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, like hit us up with questions or comments or or whatever. Um, uh, my Etsy shop is bitches get stitched done. Um, friendly atheist podcast. I, I did that already. Friendly atheist is our website. Um, and if you give anything on Patreon, then you'll get the bonus episodes with Jess. Starting yeah, it's soon. literally like a dollar a week. Um, and then there's still if you do dollar f- a month. Oh, a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, we're a cheap date. I'm just excited. Uh, okay, cool. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.